Hey guys, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to Unnatural. Yeah, this is a special undertaking of Unnatural. This is our first, what would you call it, mashup? I was going to call it, I, I was going to call it a tag team. Ooh, we're tag teaming this one. And this is because this is something we didn't really have planned, but because the case just ended, we thought that it would really, you know, behoove us to actually talk about this here since it's kind of in the zeitgeist of everybody. Everybody's been talking about this case. We are talking about the 2018 first disappearance, and then it was discovered that it was the murder of University of Iowa student Molly Tibbetts. Yeah, and I remember when she first went missing. It was all over my Facebook feed. Um, have you seen her? I I was following mm-hmm. this so hard because where she is from, I mean, it's a few hours away from where I live, but, you know, yeah. Iowa is right next door. So I was yeah. really paying attention to it. And I remember when they found her body and it was just, it was devastating. And there was a there was a good handful of twists and turns along the way too, which we'll talk about later. There really were when it comes to her disappearance, her murder, and even the trial as well. I actually grew up not so far away from where this happened. In fact, my uncle has a cabin that's just a few miles away from where the murder took place. Oh wow. Which it, it was just, surreal when this all went down and then it became a national story and kind of became politicized as well and we're going to delve into all of it here on this episode of unnatural was born May 8, 1998 in San Francisco, California to her parents, Rob and Laura Tibbetts. She had two brothers, Jake and Scott, and Molly was just the coolest little girl. Her parents said that she developed a love for reading when she was really young and she was super bubbly and friendly and her favorite book or books were the Harry Potter books. Ooh, well, we definitely have something in common then. Yeah, I remember being really upset when my Hogwarts letter didn't come on my 11th birthday. Thank you. I'm still reading the Harry Potter books to this date, and I'm in my late 30s. I never read all of them, to be honest. (laughs) What? Oh, my God. We have to change that. I wasn't into the books that much. I liked the movies, but I really just wasn't into the books. Oh, all the book readers right now are so upset with you. I am a book reader, but... I know. And the Harry Potter book reader nerds are they're up in arms. I feel right now. like you were either a Harry Potter kid or the series of unfortunate events. And I was the series yeah. of unfortunate events. Ooh, that's good, too. See, I was actually technically already almost an adult when Harry Potter came out. And yet I was still a huge that's fan. Funny. I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, Molly also attended a Catholic 
school while living in San Francisco, and her principal described her as kind and, quote, didn't have a mean bone in her body. Hmm. Now, her parents divorced when she was in second grade, and Molly and her two brothers moved to Brooklyn, Iowa. Yeah, talk about a culture shock. With their mom. Her mom was from there originally, I guess. Yeah, not to be confused with Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Certainly not. Completely, completely different area. Certainly not. Yeah, it's a super small town. Yeah. I think it's roughly 70 miles east of Des Moines. Yep. There's like 1,500 people on a good day. So it's also the home of the community of flags. That's what the city calls itself. It has a flag for every state in the union proudly displayed on its main street. Pretty cool stuff. Interesting. Now, despite being halfway across the country and really far away from her dad, Molly and her dad remained very, very close. They had frequent long phone calls. They would text each other all the time, stuff like that. And then in June, 2018, her father got remarried and she traveled to, you know, attend the wedding And unfortunately, that would be the last time that he would ever see her. Yeah. So that was just a few months before the tragedy occurred. Right. Yeah. Um, And like you said before, Andy, the kids did experience a little bit of culture shock with the move coming from a big city on the coast in California to a little tiny town in the Midwest. But Molly adjusted really well. She was a theater kid. She was a cross-country runner, track star. Uh, She really enjoyed running. Can't relate, personally. (laughs) Wish I could, but I can't. I like walking. I like walking, too. I wish I liked running because it it gets your heart pumping. I can't do it. The same. Her friends described her as someone who was always smiling, and her presence would light up the room. You really don't hear a lot of bad things about her. I mean, you look at her pictures and she, she is beautiful. She's got long brown hair. She's got deep brown eyes. She's just got like the perfect smile. And she looked happy, genuinely happy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, anytime anyone goes missing, you generally only hear about the good things, but her dad Mm -hmm. wanted it to be known that while yes, all of these wonderful things are true. He didn't want her to be painted as quote unquote, Satan. Saint Molly. Right. And, you know, she was a typical teenage girl, too. She had drama. She had mood swings. She struggled with self-esteem and anxiety. uh, But she didn't want to let her fears and anxiety get in the way of living a happy life. And she often wrote poetry, which she's a really great writer. Uh, I I did find a website that contained all of her poems. And I will post a link to that website in the show notes. So if you guys are interested, you can take a look at that. I hadn't heard that she was a poet, so I'm definitely interested to check that out. Molly also loved children. She worked at a summer kids day camp and she really, really enjoyed it. I think she did that Hmm. for a couple summers in a row. Uh, She had aspirations of being a child psychologist And after she graduated high school, she enrolled in the University of Iowa in Iowa City in the fall of 2017. And um, after that, she decided that her major was she wanted it to be psychology. Following her freshman year at college, she came back to Brooklyn for the summer. 
She, while she was home, she spent a lot of time with her family and also with her longtime boyfriend, Dalton Jack. Uh, they had been dating for about three years. They met in high school at a football game, actually. And even though he didn't leave for college, you know, they still wanted to be together and they were making it work. Now, at the time, Dalton was out of town. He was working uh, at a job in Dubuque and Molly was staying at his house, taking care of his dog and just kind of generally house sitting. And then on July 18th, 2018, she left Dalton's house at around 7.30 p.m. to go for a jog. She sent Dalton a Snapchat and she was still in his house, it looked like. So that's where we know this is kind of what the timeline is starting to be. Now, the next day, July 19th, that morning, Dalton sent Molly a good morning text as per usual, and she didn't respond. Mm -hmm. Now, he thought, oh, maybe she's at work and she's busy and she just can't respond. He didn't think too much of it until her work called him saying that she didn't show up. She didn't call. She was a no call, no show. And this was not like her at all. Yeah, extremely unusual for a, a, a person of her character. Right, absolutely. Now, getting that phone call along with his good morning text not being responded to, Dalton calls her parents immediately. And yeah. they don't know where she is. They haven't heard anything from her. So pretty much without hesitation, her parents call 911 and report her missing. As they should. The alarm bells are going off at this point for everybody involved. Yeah, so they start spreading the word. The, the police are you know, stepping up and doing the things they need to do. And the community was really getting involved as well. And people started to gather to start to search for her. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's absolutely free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Basically, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah. And you want to know what else? You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which is really cool. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, Molly almost always wore her Fitbit watch, especially on her runs. Yeah. I mean, avid runners, I'm telling you, they are glued to those things. They they don't leave. I mean, they don't let those things leave their sight. Right. I am not an avid runner, but I love my Fitbit. <laughs> you have one. Okay. I do. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. I do. I like to know how many steps I take during the day. I don't yeah. know why that's super fascinating. I, I'm at 179% of my goal for today. Oh, good for you. Now, her family, her friends, the community sprung into action. They were searching the area. They were on social media almost immediately. 
have you seen this girl? I think I saw yeah. a post and I probably shared it like that day. I remember seeing it. Yeah. Okay. Now, hundreds of leads and tips are being called in throughout like these first few weeks that she's been missing, totaling 2300 Most of them didn't go anywhere. One tip led them to a truck stop in Kearney, Missouri, which turned out to be either a fake report or a false sighting. The police had interviewed over 500 people. They were looking at her boyfriend. Days and weeks are going by. And... Because usually it's somebody you know yeah. in these situations. And more often than not... I hate to say it's it's a love interest or a boyfriend or something like that. It's always, almost always the boyfriend or the husband. I know. Seriously. Or ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one tip was looking really promising. So they went and searched a local pig farm who was owned, that was owned by Wayne Cheney. And Uh I, I don't, I don't know the specifics surrounding this tip, but for whatever reason, he was looking pretty sus and they were they even monitored his phone for 24 yeah. hours in hopes that it would lead to Molly. It didn't. So mm. he was ruled out. Now, here's where it gets crazy, because now we're at August 5th. Right. So she's been missing for a couple weeks at this point. And a body is discovered about an hour away from where Molly went missing. Mm. So everybody is just devastated because you know initially it was a young woman in her 20s that's about how old molly was at the time Mm -hmm. but after an autopsy was performed it was confirmed that the body was not molly oh wow but that of a girl named sadie alvarado i hadn't heard about this wow you didn't? Oh, my gosh. I don't remember this part. Yeah, I maybe, did. Maybe I had forgotten. Well, what happened, I, I, didn't, I didn't look too terribly far into this because I was wondering maybe could this be an episode for another day. But yeah. the, the condensed version is, allegedly, she was in the car with her boyfriend and apparently they were fighting about something. And... It's suspected that she or her boyfriend, anyway, says that she jumped out of the car and he was just like, you know what? Peace out, whatever. He kept driving, but she she hit her head when she jumped and she like rolled into the ditch and she died. Now, at this point, Molly's story has garnered national attention so much so That on August 15th, her parents met with Mike Pence, who said that the federal government would do anything they could to help find Molly and bring her home. Yeah. He made a he made a speech later that day at some event or for something. And he made mention of Molly and her family, etc. There was a guy who had cameras set up I, i'm not, i wasn't clear if it was a business or a home okay but police started gathering this surveillance footage and after hours of watching they they, they spotted molly hmm. running and it was on her regular route that she took and they also took note 
of a Chevy Malibu that had been driving back and forth, kind of circling the area. And then when Molly goes by, the Malibu goes by so pretty, the- pretty slowly. So it, it looks wow. like this car is following her. Was this multiple days in a row that it would catch the Malibu going by after she would run by on a route? No, I don't think so. I think this is just specifically okay. that day. Yeah. That day. But like throughout the day, I mean, they, I, I believe they see the Malibu several times and then right. they see it following her. Now, police were able to track down the owner of this car, who was 24-year-old Christian Bahena Rivera. Now, he worked at a dairy farm under a false name. Yeah. He was originally from Mexico. He came to the United States illegally when he was 17. Uh, He was using a fake ID with the name John Budd. But at this farm, he was known as a hard worker. He was friendly. He got along with everybody. You know, just kind of, I think he was pretty quiet, kind of kept to himself, didn't really stick out too much. Right. Except for the fact that you have the name John Budd. I mean, come on. Can't you think of a better name to use? I mean, (laughs) I don't know anything about the fake ID acquiring that kind of stuff. So I don't know if you can actually pick your own name or if it's just given. That's almost as bad as in that movie, Super Bad, where the guy goes by McLovin. Oh, my God. (laughs) Talk about repressed memories. Right. My goodness. Anyway. This is what I find to be nuts. Absolutely bananas. Police bring him in for questioning. They want to talk to him. They ask about Molly. They said, hey, you know, we we saw you driving your car around the area. The same time Molly, the missing girl, went by. What do you know? Yeah. He didn't even... Apparently, he didn't even try to lie. He didn't pull out any excuses. Wow. He he just said, yep, I was following her. Right away, right out of the gate. Yeah, he just freaking confessed. Okay. Like, hands up, I, d- I done it. That was easy. Essentially right. Yeah, you can hit the easy button there. Ding. <laughs> now, apparently, she, so he, he was following her in the car. And at some point, he got out of the car and started running alongside her or behind her or something. Oh. Just I, I think what was what was happening here is he was just he saw a pretty girl was trying to talk to her, but Molly was having none of it. She yeah. He said that she noticed him. She stopped. She turned around. She took out her phone and said, "Hey, leave me alone, or I'm calling the police." Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what happened after that specifically, but he said that she ran and he chased after her. Now, at this point, he says that he blacked out. He doesn't remember anything. And when he came to, he realized that he was in his car again at an intersection facing a cornfield. And then he looked down. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, right? It's always convenient when, you know, you just blackout when you're trying to get out of something now he looked down he saw part of a headphone in his lap Mm -hmm. like that what what molly was wearing oh one of her earbuds yeah yeah and then he was like oh shit i put that girl in the trunk 
So he he gets out of the car, goes, opens his trunk to see if she's still in there. She is. And he said that he saw blood on her head. Now, he picks her up, tosses her over his shoulder, carries her about 20 yards into said cornfield and dumped her body, covered it with corn stalks, corn leaves, and goes home. Goes to work. This is just ridiculous. I mean, I... The story that he told, I mean, even at that point, I'm sure the officers involved that were questioning him said, okay, A, I'm glad that we've got the right guy, but B, he isn't telling us everything, obviously. Right. So August 21st, police announced that a body has been found, and it was later identified as that of Molly Tippett. Now, two days later, an autopsy is done, and it is found that her cause of death was, quote, homicide resulting from multiple sharp force injuries. So that means she was stabbed? Yeah, well, according to Medscape, these types of injuries are ones caused by a pointed or sharp-edged object, like a stab wound, incised wound, or chop wound. So, yeah, she she was stabbed. I'm not sure how many times exactly, but... Now, because Christian was an illegal immigrant, her death was instantly politicized. Yeah. And by everybody. Everybody. Trump and other Republicans used this used this case as proof. Like this, yes, this is why we need to build the wall. We need stricter yeah. borders. We need to deport any and all illegals. Yada yada yada. Well and and remember, immigration was a hot topic at this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But Molly's family was like, oh, no, 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 no. Her father was very quick to call these people on their bullshit and be like, no way. You are not going to use her story for political gain. Like, hell yeah. Go dad. Go Rob. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because... When your daughter is murdered and you want justice for her, in a certain sense, you do kind of want it to get the national spotlight so everybody knows what happened, but not this way. You don't want it to become a political thing. Right. And for the fact that he was from Mexico, that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that she was murdered. Right. I mean, the, the way I thought about it was, is that if this guy remained in Mexico... It wouldn't have been Molly. It would have been somebody else in Mexico. Right. It's not. But anyway, Molly's dad said something uh, about the the Hispanic community being being Iowans with better food. I didn't write the direct quote Mm. and I should have. I saw it in a video where he was talking, but he he really came to the defense of the Hispanic community. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's true. They do have better food than Iowa. (sighs) Being an Iowan myself. I mean, I can say that uh, I would say their food is better than ours. Although we we do have good tenderloins. Fuck! What do you call those things in the corn stock? Tamales. Yeah, tamales. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. White people could never. Anyway, continue. So on August twenty second, Christian is officially charged with first degree murder. He initially had a $1 million bond, I believe, but the judge upped it to $5 million because he was a flight risk. 
And then on September, are you ready for this, Andy? I'm ready. September 19th, 2018, he officially pled not guilty. Which you 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 confessed. confessed, You confessed. That's not how this works. You literally (laughs) grabbed the detective's hands and led them to her body. But you are not guilty. What? (laughs) I don't understand the legal system. If, if, If that's even a possibility. I don't understand this at all. How can you go back on everything that you said? It was an 11 hour, 11 hour interview that he did with investigators, walking them through, showing them where her body was, all of that. And then he pleads not guilty. Yep. (laughs) But as we both know, and as all of you guys are about to find out, Once the trial finally happens, because it was initially scheduled to start early 2020. No, actually, first April 2019. Right. Yeah. But what happened? What happened? Why was it delayed? There there were a few delays. You know how bureaucracy works. There There were a few state delays, which kind of kicked the can down the road for a while. And then, of course, nobody saw the pandemic coming where there was a long period where there weren't a whole lot of trials. So that delayed it even further until May of 2021, which is where we will start part two of our podcast. The trial was unlike anything we've almost ever seen, at least in a long time in modern courtroom history. And it's going to be an interesting one to dissect. Plus, we will kind of go into the long-term ramifications of Molly Tibbetts' death and how it's inspired people since she's passed on. But first, let's get to socials. On socials, you can find us on Twitter, on Natural the Pod. See pictures from this case, past cases, and future cases, depending on when you're listening, I guess. Uh, that is Unnatural, the podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us a Gmail, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page where you can get ad-free episodes, behind-the-scenes content, audio extras, and much more as time goes on. That is patreon.com com slash unnatural the pod be sure to rate subscribe follow share us with your friends shout out to our patreon patrons again that's the end of part one of this episode of unnatural we'll be back on friday with part two we'll see you then
so much so. Hold on. Sorry. Gee, I wonder so if that's going to make it towards the very end of the podcast. <laughs>